This is Optimal Parenting Daily, episode 86, The Question That Will Kill Good Parenting and Seven Ways to Avoid It, by Dr. Margaret Rutherford of drmargaretrutherford.com. Hello, everybody. I am your host, Greg Audino, and this is OPD, the show where I read to you from some parenting experts' blogs each and every day, always giving you the opportunity to better your own relationships with your kids. And today, we've got a wonderful post from our friend, Dr. Margaret Rutherford, who has an important lesson for parents of all ages. So let's jump right in and listen to her words of wisdom as we optimize your life. The Question That Will Kill Good Parenting and Seven Ways to Avoid It by Dr. Margaret Rutherford of drmargaretrutherford.com When my son was a three-year-old, and no was his favorite expression, my husband and I decided upon a strategy. We hadn't a clue how draining parenting could be, and we only had one kid. What did we do? We banned the word tired from our vocabulary. Of course, we came up with various ways of saying it. I'm extremely fatigued, or I'm totally zonked at the moment, and hopefully the other would laugh. Hopefully. Why go to all this trouble? We were trying to avoid the who's working harder argument that I've heard over and over again between parents a non-productive conversation that can happen no matter what your relationship status. It sounds like this. I go to work every day and then come home and work some more. I do everything around here. I can't handle how stressed I am at work, and your job is easy compared to mine. You don't understand how hard it is to be with these kids all day long, alone. You get to go to lunch with people. You get adult time. You only have them on weekends, and you don't realize everything that goes into the daily grind. And perhaps the most damaging, both to the couple and to the kids, it's your job to keep the kids. I have a job that I go to every day. What's underneath the who's working harder argument? If you look underneath the surface of these statements, you can hear a myriad of feelings. Pressure, fear, anxiety, loneliness, even jealousy. But often you don't take the time to search for the underlying message. Instead, you feel attacked and attack back. Parenting, good parenting, is hard work. While it brings a sense of fulfillment found nowhere else, it's still a continuous non-stop effort. You're not quite sure you're doing it right, whatever that means. Children are little black holes of need. Typically, the younger they are, the more this is true. And you may have a child or children who have special needs. Children who aren't going to reach more normal markers of growing up and away. Add in that many things can happen along the way that are frightening. Drug abuse, alcohol abuse, sending provocative messages over social media, bullying, depression, peer pressure to do crazy things. And parents can seem like a mountainous task. You can feel totally lost in the difficulty of it, especially if you feel alone. So what would it be like to actually talk about those feelings, the loneliness, the fear, that are underneath the who's working harder debate? It would sound like this. I'm needing a little reassurance from you. So often, I'm not sure what to do. I worry that we've got too much going on. The kids are on their iPads all the time. I'm not sure how they're handling the divorce. I'm afraid my job is taking over my life, and I feel like I'm not present with the kids. Seven Steps to Being Vulnerable with Your Partner You may not be partnered with someone who would naturally think of having this kind of conversation, or maybe you struggle yourself with revealing vulnerability. That doesn't mean you can't try. 
Here are seven steps that may help you avoid falling down the rabbit hole of blame and defensiveness. 1. Talking about talking. Set up the conversation for success before you actually begin it. 2. Take responsibility for your part and gently point out that sometimes both of you can get angry or blaming, but you're talking about it rationally, not jumping down anyone's throat. 3. Admit that you don't show gratitude enough. Many of us don't. 4. Talk mostly about yourself, not your partner. Use I statements. 5. Ask questions rather than always pontificating about what you think. Invite your partner to do better, hopefully appealing to their desire to parent well. 6. Reveal your own vulnerability and invite your partner to do the same. 7. Set the stage to make decisions together. You're saying you value the partnership. These steps can work for many couples. It may be a little awkward at first and may even deteriorate into the same old pattern, but you can try again, using all seven steps, with the conversation sounding something like this. You know, sometimes when we try to talk about the kids, I know I get mad and want credit for what I'm doing. And sometimes I feel that you do too. It's hard to risk hearing that you may not agree with me about something because I'm worried or scared. I want to get to a place where I let you know that I respect you and even thank you more for what you're doing. And it would feel good to get that back. But I'd like to talk about Aaron's dyslexia, or whatever the topic might be, and try to be more open about what you're saying and you be open to me. Would you be willing to do that? Maybe we can decide what both of us need to try to do and do it together. Not simple, but kindness and respect can go a long way toward making both of you feel competent as parents. You just listened to the post titled, The Question That Will Kill Good Parenting and Seven Ways to Avoid It, by Dr. Margaret Rutherford of drmargaretrutherford.com. A really wonderful reminder today from Dr. Margaret, which we thank her for. I just love how this post breaks us free of our egos, which are so present in such small ways that we don't even realize. And sometimes the arguments she's talking about aren't even about ego. Maybe we try to be patient sometimes, but eventually get to the point where we feel we need to stand up for ourselves, so we do. This is not a bad personal journey, but it can be done without effective communication. And if that's the case, if it is void of effective communication, it won't help you or your relationship in the long term. Understand that in any argument, there is always more. There is always vulnerability lying underneath, and anyone can be so attached to an outcome that they fight aggressively for it in fear of losing it. But of course, this aggression only comes off as aggression to others, not fear. So others fight back. Don't let this happen in your relationship. Remember Dr. Margaret's simple steps and use your energy to get to the underneath part. And most of all, remember one of my favorite quotes, hurt people, hurt people. Folks, thank you for being here with me today. Always nice to hear from Dr. Margaret, who we feature a lot on another show I host, Optimal Relationships Daily. Definitely check that out if you haven't already. I hope you all took something from this post, though, and of course, I hope you'll all come back and join tomorrow for more. That's where your optimal life awaits.